I attended a high school graduation the other night, and the speaker told the graduates that they were going out into a crazy world. Then he said it and put it this way. I mean, it is capital C, capital R, capital A, capital Z, capital Y, three exclamation points crazy. I think we would all say a hearty amen to that statement. But why is everything so crazy? Welcome to another episode of Kingdom Currents. I'm Glenn Schultz, your host, and today I want to talk with you about why this world is spinning out of control at an unprecedented rate. Think about it. We're living in a time where there is so much confusion about what it means to be a human being. The gender identity confusion goes beyond comprehension. Then we find ourselves in what some people are calling a culture of death. People are demanding to be able to murder a baby, and even after the child has been birthed. The sanctity of human life is disappearing as innocent people are murdered on the streets of our cities every day. We have just witnessed several mass murders by people who drive through a crowd seeking to kill as many people as possible, or walking into a grocery store and randomly shooting anyone in his way. We have all been horrified by the recent school shooting at a public elementary school. The key to understanding where we are today is in what we know and don't know. The importance of knowledge and what needs to be our primary focus when it comes to educating our youth is so important and so critical. Proverbs 18.15 says this, The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Knowledge is a very important uh, subject in the Bible. In fact, the word knowledge appears 162 times uh, in God's word. If you begin in Genesis and go all the way through Revelation, someone has said that knowledge is second in importance only to love when studying God's word. I've been teaching over 54 years, and there has always been a high priority for students to increase their knowledge. Parents tell their children to study hard and get good grades. In essence, they are saying, make sure you gain knowledge. You must know something in order to succeed in life. However, with all this emphasis on gaining knowledge, we're facing a crisis in society today. Consider the following results and statistics. When I was born, the volume of knowledge, the volume of information was projected to double every 25 years. In 2009, it was predicted that information or knowledge would double every 5.32 years. Today, the volume of knowledge doubles every 12 hours. Today's explosion of knowledge has caused catastrophic ripples throughout society. When we've been been, uh, bombarded by knowledge 24 hours a day, it results in most people losing a very important ability. Because of all this information that we are being hit with, we have lost the ability to discern what knowledge is important. And and what we've got to understand is once a society loses its ability to discern what is important, people end up making life's most important decisions by their feelings, emotions, or or what is accepted by the culture. Now, Now, this isn't anything new. The Israelites faced some major problems with knowledge. Lacking knowledge was devastating for God's people. 
Uh, consider what the prophet Hosea wrote in Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Wow. God's people were being destroyed because they lack knowledge. Now, now, if you go to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13, you find this. Therefore, says God, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. That, this is amazing that God's people actually went into captivity because they didn't have knowledge. Not only were they in captivity, they were being destroyed because they lacked knowledge. Now, now when I first read these uh, verses, I started wondering, were the Israelites uneducated? Didn't they know anything? But, But that false perception changed on my very first visit to the Holy Land. When I saw the massive stones that made up the walls around Jerusalem and started realizing that Nehemiah rebuilt those walls in just 52 days, they lacked some engineering knowledge. When I considered what they did with developing intricate water systems and food storage systems in Masada, I understood these were not ignorant people. So, So what were these verses referring to that said that the Israelites were being destroyed and taken into captivity because they lacked knowledge? Well, if you go back to that uh, chapter in Isaiah and look at verse 14, you find this. But they do not regard the work of the Lord, nor consider the operation of his hands. Here is the lack of knowledge that led them into captivity. They didn't know God's works. If we go back to Hosea chapter 4 and look at the context of verse 6 where it says, my children are being destroyed for lack of knowledge, and you go back to verse 1, you find what God says to the people of Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy, or knowledge of God in the land. This verse is so important to understanding why God's people were being destroyed for lack of knowledge. There was It wasn't a general knowledge. There was no knowledge of God in the land. Now, now we need to make note here that when it says in the land, God wasn't talking about just the, the country or the area. He was actually referring to God's people. Uh, Sometimes when he says in the land, he's saying in Israel. If we brought this up to modern day language, in the land would uh, refer to in the church. The same is true for the church today as it was for Israel in Hosea's day. Why is this world so crazy? The answer is simple. We just don't know God. What's amazing to me is the entire biblical worldview is centered on knowing God. When you think of the the biblical worldview in four chapters, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, knowing God is the driving force behind God's entire plan for mankind. If you think about creation, 
Genesis 1 gives us the account of God creating the heavens and earth and how he spoke the entire universe into existence out of nothing. Many Christians know uh, the what and the how of the creation story, but few have ever sought to know the why God created the world. Romans chapter 1 gives us a glimpse into why God decided to create the universe. Verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Creation is an expression of who God is. He created the world so that he would be known. Bob Beasley puts it this way. All creation screams of God's existence. Creation reveals his personhood, omnipotence, oneness, creativity, reason, holiness, and beauty, etc. Then when you go to verses 26 and 28 of Genesis 1, we read about God's capstone on creation. The Bible records it this way. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created man in his image so that man would be in a relationship with him and know him. J.I. Packer, in his classic book, Knowing God, wrote the following. What uh, were we made for? His answer, to know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? Again, Packer's answer is to know God. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? This is uh, what Packer asked, and he answers it by referring to Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, where the Lord says this, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Creation is understood when we realize he created everything so that he would be known and glorified. Now, the fall is also impacted by knowing God concept. When God created this world, man had an intimate relationship with his creator and knew him. But everything changed with the fall. When sin entered the world, man died spiritually and was separated from God. The greatest consequence of sin in the fall is not knowing God. Listen to how Paul says it in Romans 1, verses 21 through 23. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like, like corruptible man. Then if you go down to verse 28, it says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Now listen 
to what he lists here. If this doesn't describe today's world, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient uh, to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such saints are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This passage of scripture describes man's uh, in his fallen condition. This is who I was before I was born again. When you and I look at the world and see the mess we're in, we must understand that it is because there is no knowledge of God in this dark, lost world. Knowing God is also key to understanding redemption. Knowing God is the ultimate end of God's plan of redemption for mankind. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to defeat death, sin, and, the, and hell, God's gift of eternal life became available to all who believe. If you have been born again, you have eternal life right now. The question is, what is eternal life? It's got to be more than simply living forever in heaven with God. Because if I have eternal life now and I'm not in heaven with God, there must be something more to eternal life. Well, God actually defines eternal life in John 17. Here we read about Jesus' prayer to his father in the garden as he's agonizing, preparing to go to the cross. In verse 3, Jesus actually defines eternal life this way. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life restores man's original purpose. And what was that? To know God. Through eternal life, you and I regain the ability to know God and give him glory in all we are and do. As Christians, we are to be involved in restoring God's purpose for creation. We need to bring the knowledge of God back into our homes, churches, and schools. Again, I want to repeat that knowing God must be the primary focus of what we teach our children through the entire educational process. This is the only way future generations will be able to survive in a secular, anti-Christian culture. J.I. Packer uh, sums up uh, all of this in his book, Knowing God. Listen to his words carefully. Once you become aware that the main business you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall in place on their own accord. But if you disregard the study of God, you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through this life blindfolded with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. Packer writes, the Bible says we are to know God in the manner of a son knowing his father, a wife knowing her husband, a subject knowing his king, and a sheep knowing his shepherd. All four analogies point to a relation in which the knower looks up to the one known, 
and the latter takes responsibility for the welfare of the former. Those who know him are loved and cared for by him. We are seeing thousands of young people searching for meaning and identity in life. More than one-third of Generation Z is said to identify themselves as LGBTQ. Everyone seems to be asking the question, what does it really mean to be a human? Think about the pro-abortion efforts to legalize the killing of a baby, not only in the mother's womb, but also after it is born. You cannot understand your identity as a human being if you do not know God. Jonathan Edwards understood this when he wrote the following. Of all the knowledge that we can obtain, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves are the most important. He who does not know him, meaning God, knows nothing else as it truly is. When we don't know God, we don't know what it is to be human as it truly is. Throughout human history, there has been a battle raging. This battle is between God and Satan. God moves through history for one purpose, in order to make everyone know that he is God. This is his primary motive in all he does. But Satan attempts to keep man blinded and under uh, captivity to false thinking by not coming to a saving knowledge of God. Now, now let me show you how God has always worked in history so that man will know him. If you go to Exodus chapter 14 and start in verse 3, you find these fascinating words. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army. Now listen to these words, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. If you go to verse 15 in this same chapter, we find these words. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. We all know the the famous story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David is sent by his father to see how his brothers were doing in Israel's war with the Philistines. And, And David gets there and he observes Goliath blaspheming God. And, you know, asking for volunteers to come out and fight him. And and no one would go out. And, And David went and said, you know what? I'll go and fight the giant. Now, too often we are told that the story of David and Goliath is to show how the little Christian can beat the big giant. But that was not David's motive. And if it were to have been his motive, I think he would have died that day. But David had a higher motive. Look at what it says in verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. Then David said to the Philistine, 
You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Why? Now listen to this statement that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. One more example I think is fitting. If we go to 1 Kings 18, we know Elijah has uh, declared a drought and uh, the land had not had any uh, uh, rain on it for three years. And, And Elijah goes to King Ahab. And he challenges all of the false prophets of Baal and Asherah, a total of 800 false prophets, to to a showdown on Mount Carmel. Each side would uh, prepare an altar, and they'd put a sacrifice on it. Then they would call to their God to send fire from heaven. Now, Now, Elijah, at the beginning of this confrontation, says to the people of Israel, in verse 21, the following. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But listen to the people's response. The people answered him not a word. They wouldn't even speak. After hours of watching the false prophets cry out to their gods and fail, Elijah steps up, repairs the altar, puts the sacrifice on, and he prays for God to send fire, and God answers the prayer. But why? Listen to his motive. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Some may say, well, that's in the Old Testament times, but does God still work in history today for the same purpose? Uh, To answer that question, we've got to go to the book of Malachi, one of the minor prophets. In chapter 3, verse 6, God declares the following to be true of himself. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Here we find that God is immutable. He doesn't change. Therefore, we can be certain that his ways, his judgments, how he works, his nature never changes. So if he worked back uh, in history in the Old Testament times, guess what? He's the same person who's going to work the same way today. This is the biggest need in society today. But it is also the biggest need in today's church. Christians need to know God, and that knowledge needs to be ever-increasing. In a future episode, I'm going to take this concept and the importance of knowing God and relate it to how we educate our children and youth. But I want to leave you with the most important question anybody will ever ask you. Do you know God? Thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Currents. I pray that this podcast will give you insight in how God wants you to educate future generations.
Be sure to subscribe to Kingdom Currents and tell others about the podcast. Remember, you can find out more about Kingdom Education Ministries by going to my website, www.kingdomeducationministries.com. That's kingdomeducationministries.com. Have a great day. I'm Holly Barnes, and I work at Northwest Christian School as the Director of Marketing. I want to tell you about Frameworks. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, or homeschool. Frameworks has developed these courses using subject matter experts and curriculum from Summit Ministries, Young Life, Likewise Worship, and many others. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com. <laughs>